Hey everyone, welcome to Unstoppable. My name is Ralph Graves Jr. and my passion is seeing you experience life transformation. Every week on this show, I will bring you inspirational stories of some of the most unstoppable people on the planet. I can't wait to share these stories with you and I hope that you'll share them with your friends. If you're looking to join the Unstoppable community and receive weekly lessons challenging you to live your best life, why don't you join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Okay, let's dive in. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Unstoppable. I'm your host, Ralph Graves Jr. Today, my guest is Allie Rawls. And Allie, welcome to the program. I'm just so delighted to be here. This is gonna be a great chat. It, it is, it is. Allie, tell, tell the uh, listeners and viewers, if you're watching, tell them what you do, who you are, what you represent and where you are and everything else. Tell them. Absolutely. So my name is Allie Roth, and I am the president and founder of With Love Oregon, and we serve local kids in foster care ages zero to six with items that exude dignity. And we are all the way out in Portland, Oregon. If you've never been out here, it is gorgeous and slightly damp. Wow. Wow. Portland, Oregon, AC service, or you assist service kids, aid children, zero to six years old in foster care with, um, what did you say? Dignity. Yeah. So I think dignity is a cornerstone for what we do. So I love that. What we do is we give um, when kids go into care, we give them the clothes, the car seats, the bottles, um, all those things, the, the tangible things that you need. Yeah. However, um, you know, when kids go into foster care, it's no fault of their own. And right. they become right. their trash bag or the clothes on their back. And so we really want the not to just be stuff because let's be honest, like these kids don't need stuff. They need things that exude dignity, things yeah. that really yeah. are going to recreate that story. So um, we serve families every 90 days. And so when kids are growing, seasons are changing. And then as we grew organically, this is like a grassroots organization. Um, we realized, you know, what sort of missing is like this community aspect, like, this is so lonely. And so we started adding in like pumpkin patches and going to movie theaters and like a little bit of that, like social component. And then we realized, wait a second, this is all good and all, but there's an education piece um, when it comes to kids in foster care and trauma. And so we also put on classes now and with love is for sure, not the experts. So what we do is we get the experts to come alongside us. And so we'll do like textured hair classes, braiding classes, sensory classes, social emotional learning classes. And so while we humbly just started to be like, I think we need some shoes and a stroller. Um, for the last eight and a half years, because of our community wrapping around us, we've just organically grown to try to serve families better and in a more complete way. Um, for, I, I want to, I we want to dive into this foster care piece because I have a lot of questions about foster care. It's always intrigued me. But let's let I want to hear yours. How did you get into this? I mean, I, I thank God for what you do. You are truly unstoppable. You and your family, you 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 found a place where you could serve and you're serving at a very high level. How did you how did Allie, how'd you get into it? How'd you start the business? Yeah, I fell into it, to be honest with you. Um, you know, one of the things with running a nonprofit and starting a nonprofit, I really want to urge anybody who's thinking, oh, I want to do this to not. Um, the first thing you need to do <laughs> is Look at your landscape. Um, yeah. You know, I was a, an elementary school teacher and had kids in my classroom that were in foster care. Yeah. And um, after my son was born and he has some medical issues that I was staying home for, 
I realized, oh my gosh, I'm leaving these kids. And so every Wednesday I would show up at the school with a baby in tow and I would tutor these kids after school for free because I ran my own tutor business on the side. Yeah. And um, I started to get to know the siblings and I was like, wait, 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 wait. You know, for years, my husband and I had bought the soccer cleats, the winter jackets, you know, for the kids in my classroom. But I was like, what about the kids that are under school age? Like what resources are there? And so in my journey with this quest, um, I just knew like my son needed so much stuff. So what about these other kids that are under school age? But I think one of the dilemmas right now is like some people have these great ideas and they start a nonprofit and it's like, wait, there's already seven more in your neighborhood. Like, why didn't you join forces? Why didn't you learn about them? So for a year, um, I went knocking on doors. I, you know, said, you know, what are you doing? How do you, how are you operating? Um, who are you serving? Can, could I even come underneath you? Yeah. And um, the answers were no, um, <laughs> but I tried. And yeah. I think one of the big hindrances was that whole dignity piece. I feel like when, when creating this and knowing the kids in my classroom and hearing their stories, I didn't want to perpetuate what had already been told to them. And so I just felt like people wanted to give stuff like, Oh, I'm done with it. Just take my stuff. And I'm like, well, these kids don't need shirts to say, I went to Disneyland. And so when people say, Oh, when'd you go to Disneyland? They can say, Oh, I didn't. Yeah. Like that's tricky. And so, um, organically out of our house, like it was like, we, we talk about like, 101 grassroots. That's sort of where it started. And what's been so encouraging is um, being super intentional about how we've started this nonprofit, but then also um, really engaging the community because to your, to your credit um, saying, well, what is foster care? And if it doesn't hit your periphery of like your life, um, yeah. 73% of Oregonians that are foster parents are relatives. So wow. they, a lot of them never planned on ever being foster parents. And so when you get the call that your cousin had a child and, you know, they're going to jail and they don't have a place for this child, it's really hard to be like, no, it's okay. It's fine. Um, you're like, well, what am I going to do? And some of these people are living in a, you know, fixed income studio apartment retired and they get three kids. And so for, um, for my journey, you know, we are now foster parents. We've had 11 babies in four years, okay. but um, for the first four years, we were not foster parents because fostering wasn't our best. Yes. And I think that's one thing that anybody who's listening is saying, you know, years ago, it was either you're a foster parent or you weren't. And now on television, you're hearing about it. TV shows you're hearing about it. You know, celebrities are now being foster parents. So you're hearing about it more now, but the idea is, well, I'm not a foster parent. I can't help. It's like, Oh, no, no, no. So with love, we are an on-ramp for the community to say, I might not be a foster parent, but I can give my kids new and like new items they've grown out of. Um, I'm not a foster parent, but I can volunteer my time. Um, I'm not a foster parent, but you know what? Financially, I think this is something I can get behind and I can give monthly to it. So it's not saying, well, look at foster parents and you have to be one. It's, you know, how do we all wrap around these amazing foster parents and not be a charity? Because that's not what we want to be. We want to be a support system. Yeah. First of all, I think foster parents are amazing. Um, I think it takes a special person to invest in the life of a child, whether it's whether, you know, that's not yours, whether it's, uh, uh, you know, by relation or or, you know, by this is just my responsibility. You know, it, it takes a lot. And, and I, I think it, that that's major um, for, for folks who do that. Um, I'm not sure that's it. That's in the realm of what I could do, mm-hmm. you know, um, raise three kids. Our kids are adults. Now we got grandkids. 
they get on my nerves. And so I don't volunteer for somebody else. And they're mine. And they're mine. They're mine. You well, know. and the piece too that comes with that. So I have two biological kids. Is um, you know, I'm I'm a planner. I'm a Type A personality. I was a teacher back in the day. So when you have your yeah. kids, and you're like, yeah. oh, this is our rhythm, and this is how we do yeah. things. Can I just tell you, our first placement knocked me sideways, and I thought I knew. Like my husband and I were the cute couple in the back, being like, oh, we want to do this. We want to help our yeah. community. Like we went yeah. to all the classes, yeah, and did the things. And I got to tell you, like as my eyes were as open as they could be at that moment. Right. And then I became a foster parent. And then I was like, oh my gosh, what I didn't know. And so I think that's actually really helped with love because um, I just didn't know what I didn't know. And right. so right. the thing that I think that is a big thing I hear all the time, and I have babies with me all the time. So it's really funny in, a, in COVID right now, everyone thought I was pregnant and didn't know because they haven't seen me. I'm <laughs> you show up with babies, right, right. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's this like this awkward, like, oh, hmm, congratulations. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, oh, not mine. Um, right. Right. But the, the statement is I could never do that because I would fall in love with them and I'd be too attached and I could never give them back. And it's um, a very true statement. So let's just yeah. start there. Like, I get it. Like I fall okay. head over heels in love with my little ones. Um, but I think it's an I statement. You know, I could never do this. Right. I could never right. get them back. And yeah. to frame that to be like, my kids that I get are babies that are drug affected infants in the hospital. Yeah. And they're, when I get a call, that means they have no family that's stepped up. They have no friends that they could certify. They have this little baby in a hospital has no one. And wow. so when I get that call, wow. instead of being, oh, I just can't give them back. Oh, I'm just going to fall too much in love. It's like, there is a little one that has no resources, that has no one out there to say yes. Yeah. And so it's reframing that and saying this little one, whatever their journey is going to be, doesn't have the resources. So like, I've got a community, you yeah. know, we have people we can talk to when, when the little ones leave our house, it breaks our heart every time my children, oh my gosh, it breaks their heart. Yeah. But we've got those resources. And so going from the, I could never do it because I would get too attached to the little ones have no one and they need people who will get too attached because they deserve it. Well, I thank God for you. I mean, that's the ultimate act of service is doing something beyond yourself for someone who cannot return the favor, who cannot, who can't give you anything back. And and I, I just think what you're doing amazing. Now you talked about infants to six years old. And uh, I, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, somebody has to work with each level, but you're, you, you've been in foster, uh, in, in that foster care uh, arena. My heart always goes out to the older kids too. Yeah. Like my, I'm, I'm a football coach or ex-football coach, you know, and it, and it hurts. I'm like, so what happens after 18? You know, they're like, coach, I ain't got nobody. You know, that's what happens after 18. I don't have anybody. You know, um, you know, we just, we, we, I wish I could shed more light on the need for foster parenting or mentors, big brothers, big sisters, mentoring foster care. Like you said, there's other ways than just, okay, I may not have the space to open up my home, but where can I send my resources? Well, the thing that kills me is, um, you know, I can only reflect on my personal experience of, you know, you go to college and I've had all this stuff, like, you know, the dorms all set up and I have, you know, the computer and I have all the things. Um, but then I get to go home on Christmas and I go home for Thanksgiving and I have, you know, places to go in the summer and these kids don't. No, they don't. And 
Um, there are quite a few people that, um, I've watched documentaries on. So this is how I've done a little more educating myself, um, that they go to college on scholarships of sorts and they just can't keep up, um, because they've never had that backbone or that the, um, knowledge of how to do certain things. And so it's just really overwhelming. And so there's this, um, deep sadness that I have that, um, you know, these kids that you're like, oh, you've made it, you've gone to college, but even that is more of a struggle than people know. And it's like, when you don't know where to go for Thanksgiving and you have nowhere to go for Christmas. And it's one of those situations that it's a very deep need. And I think that they really, you know, there's statistically, if you have that one caring adult, that can make that huge, huge difference. And so I feel like um, one thing that with love has done really well, and it, it, we didn't do this right away. So let's say it's, you know, it's an evolution, right? And a learning yeah. is that in the nonprofit space, there's a lot of sort of like the theory of like, I'm going to lick the donut and it's all mine and no one else can have it. You know, when it comes to fundraising, when it comes to people and it's like, yeah. not the whole, like the, the tide, you know, brings all the, sh- you know, the high tide brings all the ships up and we all go together. It's like, right, no, no, right. Fine. no, all and, mine, all mine. Right. Yes. And so, um, about four years ago, um, this isn't a shocky, but I'm an extrovert and, um, I know super shocking. And, um, I just knew a lot of people in the space, but what, you know, when it comes to foster care and other organizations, then I realized, wait a second, I don't know if everybody else knows each other. And really these are our kids. It's not like just my kids because once they age out at age six, you know, through age six, actually seven, what are their resources? Where do they go? Um, what if a sibling is age two and then age eight? So Uh, what we do is we, um, twice a year, we get together, um, like a forum of the top nonprofits focusing on kids in foster care. And we come together and we talk about what's hard right now, what's good right now, what resources we have. And so what's happened is instead of being, um, just about us because of finances, it's almost like we're now a puzzle and my volunteers can say, Oh, I want to become, um, a foster parent and learn more about it. And I can be like, Oh, that's not us, but that's every child. Let's talk about that. Oh my gosh, my, I have an older sibling. Oh, that's not us. That's Project Lemonade. Oh, I just got, you know, a new baby is going to be born. And um, I guess we might have to say, yes, I don't know. Oh, good. Okay. We'll support you. But Boxes of Love is where you want to start. So by being able to link arms in the community, um, I feel like we're able with foster parents to create a chain of resources to number one, keep these foster parents who we always need more foster parents. It's retaining quality foster parents. Number two, it's providing these kids through um, from start to end. Whereas again, we're just piece of that, a piece of that puzzle. But these kids, again, if they can get those resources and they can know, and so like, even on our website, we have a resource page of all of our community members that we support. And so, um, to your question of like, gosh, these older kids, that is not what we focus on in ourselves. Yeah. Um, and statistically, a lot of these kids, um, that are in foster care will have kids in foster care. And wow. so it's, um, I think it's approximately, I read recently around 50% of parents, of kids in foster care were in foster care themselves. Wow. So it's, you know, it's just really saying, how do we as a community wrap around these children? Again, um, in Oregon, we have one in a hundred kids in foster care, which is double the national average. And so, you know, we're having, if it doesn't touch your life, you could be very unaware of it. But we're trying to bring these conversations to the forefront to say, hey, this is happening in your own backyard. And even if you're not getting 
all this is happening and this is impacting, you know, our homeless population. This is impacting the opioid crisis that we have here. And so how do we um, really try to step in and love these children for who they are and support their journey early on? Explain to us the foster parent process or roles and responsibility. Like what happens after they leave, after they leave foster care, after they leave you, okay, you have six or eight or whatever. What, what exactly is the role of a foster, a foster parent or foster home? Yeah. So one thing that's really interesting is first of all, knowing, so DHS is the department of human resources, you know, that they're the ones that are the ones in charge, the caseworkers and whatnot, knowing what their intention is in DHS in Oregon, which I can't say statewide, but I could guess it could be across the U S right in Oregon is reunification. Okay. So when you become a foster parent, you need to know that reunification is a goal of the state. Gotcha. So that is one of those things that's tricky. So if you're coming into foster parenting and being like, I want to grow my family. I want to become a parent. I want to, well, that can lead to a lot of heartache because um, that's not the goal of the state. Now, um, statistically, it isn't always safe to do reunifications, but because if that's the goal of the state, kids, it's not like your kid's going to be in foster care typically for like two, two months and then be adopted. It's going to be a longer process. So my role as a um, foster parent is to take a child into my house. Now, each foster parent gets to choose, you know, are you a long-term, are you a short-term, or are you a foster adopt potential? So going into it, knowing, um, you know, sort of what is your best yes. So for us, ours is short-term and we are not an adoptive family. So we're really good soft landing for a child whose mom's going through rehab. Maybe grandma's coming from New York. Um, Just being that soft space to just love this child, but know that they're going to transition. Where other families are saying, well, we're in here for the long haul, you know? And so with DHS, they want to know with this child, what is the probability of reunification versus, Um, potentially adoption because they don't want to move kids house to house to house. Um, The thing that's been really eye-opening for me and it's really challenging is when you get a child placed in your house, you normally get about a two hour window. Okay. The planner in me dies a little bit because I'm like, I just (laughs) perfect. Um, But when they call you, so we had a little boy, um, we got a call and it was okay. It's a four month old little boy. He's black and he's had some trauma. Um, Can you take him? So they dropped him off literally with a onesie. And he was four months old, but he was the size of a nine-month-old. So that whole planning piece, right? Like, I'm like, oh, gosh. Um, The other thing is he was biracial. And so if I would have ran to Target and got all this stuff for the hair, for textured hair, it wouldn't have worked. You know, with that two-hour window, you basically just get enough time to panic, call your friends, and the child shows up. Um, And so this is where With Love comes in so beautifully because we curate a delivery just for that child. So we ask, you know, are there any sensory needs? Is there any cultural needs? What's their favorite color? What's their favorite character? And we shop our warehouse just for that child. Wow. And it's just, it's so fun, first of all, because you hear these people that are pulling me like, yes, because they looked for the Elsa and Anna thing or whatever that child wanted. And then if you're within 30 minutes from our warehouse, we deliver to your front doorstep. So we will take a delivery, which is an average of $2,000 and deliver it to your doorstep. Everything's free. It's a gift for you. And then um, if you live outside of that radius um, on Wednesdays, you make your little order. We get it all ready for you. And on Wednesdays, you just drive through 
pop your trunk, we put everything in and you drive away. So we have people that drive three hours, four hours to get our stuff because need the quality is so good and the need is so great. Um, but what happens as a foster parent, all of a sudden you get this little adorable child in your house yeah. and sometimes it's going well, sometimes it's not, you know, depending on how that transition went. And then you all of a sudden have lawyers you're dealing with. You're dealing with um, caseworkers. You're dealing with certifiers. You're dealing with biological visits. You have doctor visits. You have evaluations. And so my little guy that I got right before the holidays, um, this is a couple of years ago, I had 15 visits in um, seven, uh, I think it was like 17 days leading up to Christmas. Wow. Like I have my biological kids that they have all their schedules. My husband and I work. And now I have all these visits that all of a sudden I have to manage. And it's expected on me as the foster parent to make sure this happens. And so I think it's not only taking a child that's had trauma, it's also your calendar just out the door because you're just managing all these things. And some people are really happy with you. Like, yay, you know, like you showed up for your doctor's appointment. We're so glad to meet you. And then sometimes foster parents, um, meet adversity, you know, like, Parents not happy. Like one parent of mine kept throwing all my stuff in the garbage because they didn't like um, the formula that I had, the bottles I had. But the thing is, they they didn't give me anything. Right. And so right. when you don't have that, yeah. you know, so it's um, I think being a foster parent, there has to be a lot of tenderness in that in terms of trying to um, realize it's not about you, you know, yeah. when you have that adversity. But then also for us, we always try to root for that foster parent or the the bio parent. So, you know, we keep journals, we send pictures all the time for visits because we are rooting for them. And if this is not going to be a safe situation, um, and that happens often, um, that it isn't a safe situation. It's going to be a quick turnaround. We want them to know that we are for them and we are for their child because we don't want to be that scary people taking your children because there is that mentality a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I'm telling you, what you do is amazing. You are truly unstoppable. You, you guys, what, what you're doing is amazing. How can my audience find your organization and support it? Where are you? What's the website? Come on, give it to us. I love it. And we are very excited to embrace and bring everybody in. So first of all, our website is withloveoregon.org. So you can go check us out, see how we are. Now we have a newsletter that we send out quarterly that is helpful, but what we really are good at is social media. So find us at withloveoregon on Instagram or withloveoregon on Facebook. And almost every, like I would say five times a week, we are updating telling stories. We're talking about what we're doing because, you know, nonprofits, a lot of times you hear this, well, give us money and that's it. You know, but for us, we're like, oh my gosh, we want to show you the impact you're making. We want to talk about our newest initiatives. We want to invite you in, like come volunteer. I mean, it's hard from New Jersey to come volunteer Oregon. We want you to say like, oh my gosh, we know that we can turn $1 into $2.21. We know this with how we operate. And so we want to show you where your money is going. We want you to feel engaged and feel like, oh, I'm part of this community, not just like a one and done, you know, we want you to be a part of saying, when you hear the conversation about kids in foster care, and by the way, we don't say foster children. We say kids in foster care. I just followed, I just followed with Love Oregon on Instagram. Guys, go follow. So we have one follower. I'm kidding. No. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, I mean, we want you to be like, when people bring this up in conversation, we want you, we want people to think of, oh my gosh, I've heard of 
you know, some positive things about foster care. We want to be retelling these stories and um, being part of the solution and not just being part of the the problem that's happening. And I interrupted you. You say you don't say foster care. What did you say? You say what now? You say kids in foster care because these are kids that are in foster care versus labeling children um, to say foster kids. I just followed you. I I love it. I'm sitting there looking at some of the pics on Instagram. Guys, follow them. Let's, Let's get their followership up. Um, support them anyway. You know how to support them. Uh, I see some link tree stuff on here. And what if someone wanted to get involved with something like this in their local area? This is a global program. Are, are organizations like this in every state? That's a great question. I get asked so many times a month for this. Um, yeah. One of the things that we sort of in expansions in the future are going to do is called replication seminars. And okay. Our goal is not to have with love everywhere because to be really honest, to run a nonprofit's a lot. It's a lot for fundraising, a lot, a lot yeah. for board members. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the end goal is to support kids in foster care. And so what we hope to do is put on replicates in the seminars so you can learn the 101 basics of how to do this in your own county, in your own state, in your own city. Um, so we actually follow and are in communication with quite a few places that do do this around the U.S., yeah. um, different models. You know, some are, um, they say crib to college, you know, we are yeah. not, yeah. we are the littler ones. Um, but what's been really neat is um, being able to learn from them, have those honest dialogues. But the, the thing is, a lot of rural communities really struggle with this. There yeah. is not a lot of resources. Um, yeah. I can imagine, yeah. It's a struggle. And so for us, our vision is to be um, partnering with other people that are like-minded um, yeah. all over the state in Oregon to say, hey, come, we're going to put this on. And then we'll see how it goes from there. Because I do think it's daunting. I yeah. do think it's exhausting. And, you know, this, I think with any nonprofit, you want to make sure that the people who start it can actually run not a sprint, but a marathon. That's right. And how do you run a marathon well and encourage other people to do the marathon with you and empower them? And so, um, you know, when you're talking about social media, so many people say, well, how can I support you? Well, definitely following us. But the other thing is if financially you're not in a place to give right now, liking our stories, That's sharing right. stories, it's just so yeah. simple as that, because again, it gets this, um, the network out even more. And that's, I think what's so important about seeing these kids in foster care is it's, it's, it's our kids. These kids are in our community and it's again, no fault of their own. And so the more that we can have positive stories going out all of a sudden, like with at least our friend group, they've been like, Whoa, your kids are pretty cute. Your kids are pretty great. And we're like, Hey, do you want to do a thing called a respite care? And that means that we can have a date night. That means we can go, you know, on vacation. And so all of a sudden like, well, I'm just babysitting basically for a weekend, a cute baby. I'm like, yep. And then over time, they're like, well, wait a second. Okay. Well, maybe how do I become more? And so yeah, yeah. positive stuff versus having like this Hannigan yeah. concept of foster care, you know, of like, oh, these people yeah. just you know, have two teeth and they're foster parents. It's like, well, no, no, there's other people too. And so it's right, again, getting right, right. out yeah. there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, I'm telling you, uh, Amazing. This is amazing to me. Thank you for opening up my eyes to it. Um, Before we jumped on here, I told you I never really foster care was never really in my in my in my view, you know, even though, you know, when you hear about it, you say, oh, you know, I don't want to say, oh, man, this is real stuff. 
you know, and, and thank you for, for showing my audience that there's a need and that they could still be involved in it some way, shape or form. Last question I need to ask you before you go, I ask everybody this uh, just off the cuff. And I know I, I didn't give you time to even think about it, but if you could have a billboard anywhere in the world, where would it be and what would it say? <laughs> oh my gosh, this is a phenomenal question. <laughs> okay, so I don't know where I'd have it. So I need to think about that for a second. But okay. I would say find your passion and get plugged in. Find your passion, get plugged in. Where would it be? Yeah. Um, well, I think I would pick an, a downtown area that was busy because I feel like there's a lot of noise and there's yeah. like the newest thing of the moment. Yeah. And like, my thing is foster care, but yeah. like who, I just think the world can be changed yeah. by people that are, foster care might not be your thing. Maybe it's elderly, maybe it's animals. Right. It's right. like people can find that passion and pause for a moment and not be so involved in what's going on in their life and take a moment to think about other people's lives that are going on and how they can help that. Yeah. I think the world's just going to be a kinder place. And while, um, you know, you and I were talking earlier about people's jobs, that must be hard right now. And it's like, yeah, you just don't know unless you've walked in their shoes. And so I just feel like if everybody could get plugged into where their passion is and try to volunteer in that, the yeah. world would be a kinder place overall. Well, thank you for that. I totally agree. Thank you. Thank you for your time. Thank you for being on the Unstoppable program. Thank you for uh, just adding great value, uh, adding value to us, um, to, to, to what we're doing here at Unstoppable. Ladies and gentlemen, you've been listening to my friend, Ali Roth, uh, all the way from Oregon. What's the name of the organization again? I want to say it right. Yes, With Love Oregon. With I was just going to say With Love. With Love Oregon. You can find them anywhere. WithLoveOregon.org is the website. You can follow them on social media as well. Allie, thank you for being part of the program. And guys, remember, let's be unstoppable together. See you. Hey, everybody. I hope you enjoyed this unstoppable conversation. I want to make a special invitation to you to join the conversation. Every week, we record these conversations live on Fireside. It's a platform that gives you the opportunity to engage with and ask questions to your favorite podcast live. If you want to join us on Fireside and ask our guests the questions you have about their story, head to firesidechat.com backslash Ralph Graves Jr. and click request access. This is your chance to join the interview. Also, guys, I want to invite you to join the Unstoppable community at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Every week, I share challenging lessons and reflection questions so that you can see the transformation in your life that you know is coming. If you can take just 30 minutes of your week to reflect on these questions, I guarantee you'll be on your way to living the unstoppable life you were made for. Join me at ralphgravesjr.com backslash community. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time on Unstoppable with Ralph Graves Jr.